Hey guys, I'm Court. And I'm Kate. And you're listening to another episode of The The Castle Chat. Chat. Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of our Disney-inspired podcast. Today we will be recapping my recent trip to Universal Studios Florida, from the rides to the food, and how things compare to the Disney World experience. Want to experience more magic with us outside of this episode? Be sure to follow us on all socials at The Castle Chat. If you love what you hear, please leave us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify so we can continue to build this community. Are you ready to jump into the episode? Let's chat about it. wizard harry (laughs) i wasn't quite sure what you were gonna open with so that's great i mean really when i think of universal the first thing that comes to my mind is the wizarding world of harry potter so that was the first thing that truly came to my mind well i mean it is a big and important piece of universal studios so that makes a lot of sense and it's kind of weird that we're here talking about universal because i don't think we've ever done that on this podcast he who must not be named <laughs> universal studios oh my goodness yes i'm so excited to talk about universal actually i feel like in recent years they have really upped their game and a lot of diehard Disney fans are starting to tiptoe their way over to that other park across the way. Unless you're like Caitlin and you don't like thrill. Well, uh, (laughs) intensity, intense thrill simulators and thrill coasters. I think I, I have this, like, I want to be that person, but every time I try, I am just not, and my day goes downhill pretty quickly. My equilibrium and my body just don't handle it very well. So, like, Velocicoaster, I, if I went to Universal, if I bought tickets to Universal, I would ride it to say that I've ridden it, but the rest of my day would probably be shot. It's definitely tough. Um, I struggle with motion sickness, probably not as bad as you but I had to really pace myself throughout the day. And that's something that I don't have to worry about when I'm at Disney World. And I think that's a lot of the reason why people prefer Disney over Universal if they do struggle with that. Because it's a lot easier for them to enjoy more attractions without having to kind of like plan your day out around what you're riding, I guess. Yeah, by the end of it, you feel upside down backwards and all twisted from all of the big attractions that they do have at Universal. But the reason we're here, the reason we are recording this out-of-the-box episode for our Disney-inspired podcast is because you just went. You just had a, yeah. a weekend in Universal. I and did. only Universal. Only Universal. And that was a very weird experience for me. This is the first time, besides like when I was young and I went on like a school trip to Universal, that I... like sought out Orlando for the sole purpose of Universal Studios. So it was definitely different for me, um, but I did get a little of Dis- little bit of Disney magic on my time there. Uh, I had to kind of make it happen. I went to Disney Springs and, and went into, you know, World of Disney and all of that just to check it out and, you know, feel something. Yeah, I think that Disney Springs by itself, some people describe it as the fifth park. There's so much to do there and it is very Disney forward. So if you get to go and be in Disney Springs, it is definitely a dose of Disney. Yes. Yes. And I felt like it was a good way to start our weekend because our city now has a direct flight that gets us in on a Friday evening and leaves first thing Monday morning. So we had Friday evening to kind of do whatever we wanted. And it was great to be able to just get dinner at Disney Springs and get a little treat and walk around and go in some shops. It, It felt like the start of my typical Disney vacation without actually going to Disney. So it was nice. And I'm really glad we did that. That's awesome. I saw the bubble waffles that you tried okay i've never had that before and whoa was it good it was a like bubble waffle looking crepe thing with vanilla soft serve oreos the little like pocky 
chocolate sticks and then it had like these um white chocolate pearl like circle button things on it it was really good the thing that i have in my brain it's like when you have an ice cream with a waffle cone yeah it's like a soft waffle cone yeah it's a soft waffle cone it was a lot of waffle i did not eat all of the waffle i ate everything else but it got to the point that like the waffle was really soggy because the ice Mm. cream had been sitting on it and i was so full from dinner because we went to terralina's italian and i had a lot of pasta so after having that after a full italian meal was a little bit tricky but it was very very good and i would definitely get it again it is located really close to the the um the co-op marketplace near world of disney it's a little kiosk that they have they have like five or six different flavors ranging from peanut butter to blueberry lemon to the uh, there was one with like m&ms in it and then there was like a oreo one as well so there's lots of different options to choose from and they were very delicious oh amazing i'm so glad that you got to have that sprinkle of disney in your trip i know it was great we are obviously here to talk about universal and we'll go through some some points and how it compares to disney as we go through obviously disney is what courtney and i know that's what we are well versed in so going through and doing universal trips is still new to us and so for any of you out there who might be curious or interested and like i said kind of crossing the street and going to that other park um that some people are starting to really want to venture towards Um, this episode is for you to be able to hear from Disney lovers what the comparison of Courtney's experience in Universal was and is Um, so before we jump into comparisons why don't you just tell us about your trip yeah okay so um, the trip was just a little girls weekend with me and some of my friends we had planned it a few months back very kind of spontaneous I feel like it all came together so quickly we were able to do the whole weekend for right under $500 which is fantastic for a weekend in my opinion that included our flight that included our stay as well as our tickets there were four of us so we were splitting one hotel room four ways Um, we did stay on Universal property at at Universal's Endless Summer Dockside Resort. It is one of their lowest tier resorts they have to offer, but honestly, I was very blown away by the resort as a whole, and I would definitely stay there again. It gives like the, the room definitely has that like modern pop century vibe. like everything is based it's basic but it's you can tell it's newly renovated and it's nice and everything about it was was great there was a fantastic large pool and um we didn't spend much time at the resort but there was a huge cafeteria plenty of places to eat there was a starbucks in our hotel as well as a universal merchandise store so um that was all nice and it's just it was cool to be able to to stay really close to property and or close to the parks and experience some of the hotel benefits so such as the early admission, uh, which is really kind of their biggest benefit that they offer. So it was my first time staying on Universal property. So this isn't necessarily something that we had listed to talk about, but value resort at Universal versus value resort at Disney. Did your experience compare? Um, yeah, they felt very similar. Okay. Um, it, it, <laughs> I feel like... W- the only difference is, is that with the value resorts at Disney, they're typically all external entrances to the rooms, whereas this value resort was all internal. Okay. Elevators, one big, you know, there's two big towers, actually. They're kind of like U-shaped, Tower 1 and Tower 2. Um, but it was like a traditional hotel versus that more motel look that you see with the value resorts at Disney World. Cool. That's nice. And then yeah, you just that like... makes such a difference. But yeah, it was, it was all close by. It wasn't spread out like kind of the values are if you're all the way over in you know in the mighty ducks if you're over at <laughs> mm-hmm. um, like the all-star movies then you're pretty far from the lobby but right i mean as far as we our hotel room was really close to um the elevators which we got on the elevators walked out the door and walked into the next building and that was the lobby so it was everything was pretty close by i would say that's probably the only difference gotcha so proximity to everything pretty easy but yeah. you got early park entry the accommodations were pretty modern and and new so. yeah they were great they were easy 
good experience, you would do it again. Yeah, we had an ADA accessible room, so it's hard for me to say what the bathroom size would look like in a regular room because our bathroom is actually pretty large. Um, it did only have one sink, but there was a full length mirror that where we could both kind of get, we could all get ready at different mirrors. Um, but our bathroom was very large because it was ADA accessible. Nice. I love so, it when that happens. It just happened that way. Yeah, it was Magic. definitely, it was great. But they have one little bus stop that is outside of the hotel next to where the Ubers and stuff kind of drop people off. And there is, you know, one bus system because at Universal Studios, it is two parks, Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure, as well as City Walk, which is basically Universal's version of Disney Springs. But they are all like together in one area. So the buses just kind of drop you off at like City Walk and you can get to everything that you need. The only exception is Volcano Bay, which is Universal's water park, which there is a a smaller separate little bus station just for that. Um, More like Disneyland, where like the two parks that they have are right across from each other. So it makes transportation more streamlined probably because everybody's going to the same place. Very easy to park up if you're taking that option. We did not take that option. Uh, We did parks on Saturday and Sunday. So we just did the two-day, one-park option to be able to save a little bit of money. And we knew that we could focus on one park each day because there were two parks. So. Do you feel like with that setup, you had enough time to see and do all that you wanted to do? Yes, I do think that that was a good setup for us. Um, I went to Universal back in 2021 on one of my Disney trips, and uh, me and Jed actually and his siblings went for one day at Universal, and we did the park hopper, and we tried to cram two parks in one day. And we did it, but there was a lot that we didn't get to. We just kind of hit the highlights. This trip, I feel like I was able to do everything and do things that I hadn't done since I had gone back in high school. So it was cool to like experience things on this trip that I hadn't done in over 10 years. Yeah, that makes it like a really new experience. Yes. With Disney, we've done it. We've been. It's not necessarily, there are parts of it that are new, but all of it's pretty familiar but this was all some majority of it was pretty fresh yes and what and um we were traveling with uh, one of the members on our group was pregnant so there was a it was great for us to be able to um kind of figure out what was pregnancy friendly and um what rides that they couldn't get on so i feel like it it helped to know that there isn't a lot at universal there's way more at disney world so um, I think that was a little bit of a challenge, but our friend was super just excited to be there and wanted to stay in lines with us and um, got on things that she could get on when she was able to. So it feel like overall it was a really great experience and it was probably best that we did, you know, um, the two days, one park, just so we had time to space things out for her too. If she needed to rest, if we need to take more breaks, like it definitely worked in our favor for the, the group that we were with, you know, so. So doing one park per day were you there like open to close or did you get through everything pretty quickly we arrived the first day right at opening actually right before opening the park opened at nine we got there at 8 30 and the second day we did the early entry for islands of adventure there was not an early entry for universal studios and the early entry would get us in at 8 a.m but we were like out the gates at 7 15 and i'll get into that a little bit later but that was specific and strategic as to why we got there significantly early nice yes we went and we didn't stay until park closed i think we left the first day around maybe 4 30 and the park closed at like 7 i think and then the second day we left at like six o'clock and the park closed at like nine or six or seven so we didn't stay until park closed because we were just exhausted and we'd already done everything and so we felt fine to leave That's awesome. I mean, I think that it is encouraging for people who maybe have never been to Universal before or like you hadn't been in several years to know that you can get through each individual park in a single day and and cover everything. So would you say two days to go to Universal is is all that you need? Yes, I would say so. Unless you really like really loved Universal and you wanted to go do things multiple times and go longer, but you can accomplish everything um, in in two days, in my opinion. Right now, I think um, they were offering like a deal where you could buy two days and get three free or something. And I thought about having to spend like five days at Universal and I felt like I would get, not bored, but I think 
that's a little too much for me. Like I yeah. wouldn't need that many days. I think with, so Universal has a new park that is pending opening, Epic Universe. Is that what it's called? Yes, it is. Yeah. And we drove past where it's supposed to be and there was nothing there. So it ain't coming anytime soon. Mm, okay, good to know. But they <laughs> have announced their new gate, Epic Universe. And then they also have Volcano Bay. So maybe once all of those are open, that five-day sweet spot, kind of like Disney. There's four parks. Yeah. And maybe having one buffer day to go back and do the things that you love maybe would work in the future but as of right now there's only two parks with attractions and rides um, that aren't the water park volcano bay so yeah I feel like if you've never been to Universal or you've only been a handful of times like it's important to know that Universal is significantly smaller than Disney World so although it's two parks I mean like I'm sure that both of those parks would probably equal like maybe one Magic Kingdom (laughs) so Mm. it's like I think you can do it in two days. Um, I walked a lot less steps than I typically do on an Orlando trip just because the parks themselves are smaller. You can get from one end to the other a lot quicker than you can if you were in a Disney World park. So um, I'm not sure exactly the size comparison. I I want to look that up and know, but um, it definitely is smaller. Okay, that's definitely good to know. If any of you are listening and you want to try Universal... Maybe two days, maybe a third if you're wanting to do Volcano Bay and something else. But Yeah, we didn't do Volcano Bay. Um, water, We just weren't really into the whole water park vibe, but I, I would like to do it at some point. So I feel like I would go on a Disney trip and then maybe do a day at like mm-hmm. Volcano Bay versus doing like a day at, you know, one of the Disney water parks. So maybe I would do that in the future and who's... Who knows what's going to happen with Epic Universe. It isn't where they are building. Epic Universe is not located next to Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. So it will be a separate bus system that will take you to that park, just like Disney World. So, um, you know, Orlando only has so much space <laughs> where you can yeah. build things. But moving on, um, talking about the, kind of the differences between Universal and Disney. I wanted to start off with just the pricing. Um, Universal is traditionally cheaper. If you do like a one-day ticket, they're kind of comparable in price. But if you're going to go multiple days, that price definitely decreases more because there are less attractions and it's not as big. There's not as much to do. So naturally it is a cheaper price and I do feel like you um there is more value with that only because Disney like I I feel like the price I paid was worth it in my in my opinion Mm. um because although Disney World is expensive I know that I'm going to get so much out of that experience and I feel like it is worth that amount if you do Disney the right way and you truly like engage in everything that it has to offer um with universal i mean yeah theme parks are still expensive but um i do feel like the value that we paid for it was the value we got okay well that's good so you feel like with disney the value of the ticket you get more bang for your buck but the value of a universal ticket it like you get what you pay for kind of thing yeah okay so the cheaper price doesn't necessarily mean that the like the experiences don't really compare so the more expensive price of disney kind of makes sense yeah i I, that's what i think i mean universal is not for the type of theme park goer where you i mean i feel like you you have to enjoy roller coasters Mm -hmm. and you have to enjoy a little bit more of an intense rides to enjoy universal there's not a lot of low-key rides happening there so if you like to go to disney and you really love peter pan's flight and small world and you're gonna get on dumbo and have the best time and that's like your top three attractions then it's going to be tough for you at universal to find super comparable experiences to those um consistently i think there are just there's more you see a lot of um teenage and up crowds at universal yeah i think that's a like a good comparison too you have the comparison of the price and then the comparison of the rides themselves like they're more intense more thrill based whereas disney's a little more family friendly they have some some minor thrills in there each park has a decent thrill for you to find i would say like tron and magic kingdom cosmic rewind and epcot yes tower of terror or rock and roller coaster hollywood studios and everest and animal kingdom those are like the majority those rides are the majority of what's at universal well if you think about it rock and roller coaster is the only roller coaster at disney world that goes upside Mm -hmm. down and almost all the roller coasters at universal go upside down so i feel like that's a good way to indicate the level of thrill yeah 
definitely more family focused at Disney. And like you were saying, when you have somebody in your group that's pregnant and can't ride these roller coasters, there's definitely more to do at Disney. So yes, there are not as many rides for someone to ride if they are pregnant. Um, There is about five at Universal, whereas Disney has like a total, I think it's like 30 plus across all four parks that they have. So significantly less. um, It's, I... I think it just depends on what you like to do in the parks. If you like to stroll stroll around more and look in stores and eat and enjoy the environment, then sure, continue to go to Universal even when you're pregnant. I think you'll have a great time. If you are a big, like, you love being on rides and it would be hard for you to go and not experience that, then, then maybe stay at the resort or maybe try to do something different. I mean, to each their own, whatever you would like to do, but... Um, I did, I felt bad for my friend. I was like, oh, I want you to be able to experience so many of these things, but you just can't because you're pregnant. And, um, but she had a great time. Honestly, she loved just being there and hanging out in the lines with us and just going and grabbing snacks and seeing some of the shows. So I think, um, she still had a fantastic time. So I would not discourage you from going, but just be aware yeah, I think that's true for families with a range of ages and a range of range of interest where like, you know, child number one and dad can go and wait in line for a bigger thrill in Disney and mom and a smaller child can go ride a kid friendly ride. Whereas in Universal doing that split and having a little bit of everything is harder to do. Yeah, obviously the level of thrill is different. So if you are a thrill junkie, you're not going to have the same experience and Universal as you do in Disney. You're not going to find that same crazy attraction after attraction after attraction that blows you away with the intensity of the thrill. But if you have a family with a variety of needs and your park experience, you might have more to do at Disney. My husband loves Universal. He is a big thrill seeker. So he just, not that he, I don't know if he would prefer Universal over Disney I don't want him. I don't want to believe that he would maybe choose Universal over Disney, but he does enjoy that park because he loves big roller coasters. He grew up in um, Indiana, which is really close to Ohio, which has Cedar Park, which has some of the biggest roller coasters in the world. So the fact that he grew up on that type of amusement park doesn't surprise me that he is yeah really big into Universal so um definitely the thrill when it comes to coasters but also um they are a very screen heavy simulator park both of them are both parks are yeah that's one of the reasons why Universal is tough for me because I truly the the simulator screen rides I know that I can't ride them without feeling sick so for me the number of rides a lot of the rides in the wizarding world of harry potter have this effect and for that reason i know that there are some big harry potter fans out there who love this section of both universal studios and islands of adventure but the really big attractions there i can't ride comfortably so it makes a park like universal or islands of adventure more difficult for me to enjoy yeah i would say out of the harry potter rides that forbidden journey is the toughest when it comes to screens um Gringotts is it's a mix it's a mix it's mm-hmm. screens and coaster and I, I do I do like that one um but the screens can be can be tough but Forbidden Journey is woof oh my gosh they're swinging you around left and right and that one makes me a little bit sick so um but then you know you've got good old Hagrid's which has no screens and it is one of the best rides ever so um I love that Universal has this ride I mean Hagrid's and Velocicoaster are the current top two rides at Islands of Adventure um so that park is heavily sought after just because it has some of the newer attractions Hagrid's opened in 2019 I believe and then Velocicoaster opened in 2021 I think so very new and that's very new as in four years old but I mean when that's the newest thing in the park people are always going to gravitate towards there I mean Disney comparisons with that I mean I guess just the Cosmic Rewind and Tron yeah, I think uh, I have not ridden... they're the newest ones, but I don't know. Yeah, I have not ridden on either Hagrid's or Velocicoaster. I would say Velocicoaster, there is no comparison yeah, at there Disney. Is no, no, there's no yeah. comparison, that one at Disney. It it's is just a newer ride. A so. really intense, fast, 
coaster and yeah. there is nothing like it in Disney. I think No, there's you, nothing like it at all. If you had to compare anything maybe rock and roller coaster but not even yeah because that one's indoors i mean as far as comparison to one of the newest attractions and yeah tron and and cosmic rewind but those rides themselves don't i would say do you feel like cosmic rewind and hagrid's are even like tiered in terms of your enjoyment of them i feel like that would be mm. i've not been on hagrid's i know what i i've seen povs i know what the coaster entails my dad and my sister have been on it and told me the whole spiel uh, i know they're different but would you say enjoyability is even between the two or do you think one ups the other i think it's hard because cosmic rewind does involve screens so it's really hard to put those in the same category i feel like with hagrid's it's one of those rides where I could ride it back to back more consistently than something like the Lost Coaster because it does give me less like motion sickness. Mm -hmm. But there are a few things on it that make my head rush, and I don't want to spoil it in case anybody is wanting to go on it and doesn't know what it does. But um, it's definitely it's super fast. Um, there are moments where it's like, whoa, I cannot believe we're going this fast. And but it's like one of those illusions I feel like where when you look up the speed of it, it's actually not that fast, but it just feels like you are because of the environment. So I don't know if I would compare it to Cosmic Rewind. Maybe more so Tron then, because Tron maybe Tron Tron goes fast. There are elements in Hagrid. I haven't been on Tron, so it's like hard for me to. And I haven't been on Hagrid. There so. you go. So we're just gonna <laughs> say maybe Tron. If you have a good comparison for this ride, please let us know. We need help. So send us a DM. Let us know what you think for this specific ride. So last thing I want to talk about with rides before we move on to a different category is about the Express Pass versus Genie Plus. So with the Express Pass, it is basically you're paying a premium price to to walk on to every attraction besides Hagrid's, I believe, whereas Genie Plus, you pay the price and then you have the option to register for a time to get a fast pass and you're not guaranteed to get on everything with a fast pass. Um, it's just kind of whatever you are able to sign up for. So you are paying a higher price with Universal to be able to truly skip the line at any attraction. Um, when we were going, I think the price was about $135 per person per day. So if we had done both the days, gosh, it would have been over $260 just for us to be able to skip the lines, which to me at Universal um, isn't worth it if you're going during a non busy quote-unquote time. I feel like if you were going during like spring break or the middle of summer and wait times are all just like out the wazoo then maybe it would be worth it if you're really trying to like fit a ton in in a short period of time but if you have the time I would say like wait in the lines at Universal because it's not they're not that bad like the longest we waited in was for Hagrid's and that was an hour even though it was posted as 95 which I'll get into later but everything else was like around the 25 to 45 minute range and that is to me like super easy to stand in I didn't have like any issues so the express for our situation just really didn't feel like it was worth it um, for comparison Genie Plus starts at $15 per person per day and we've seen it get as high as $35 per person per day um, but that doesn't guarantee you to be able to get on everything um, quickly it just gives you the option to pick certain things yeah I think another added value for express pass is that it is as many times as you want I believe where you can get the unlimited express you can get in line for that set of two rides as you want over and over again and go through that express line whereas with genie plus you can only do each attraction once so yeah it is lower price it is less for your money, I think. But I also do, I mean, the complication of Genie Plus, of the knowing the app and the scheduling and all of that, I think makes it just a little more overwhelming, even though it is cheaper. Like, obviously, with Express Pass, you just buy it and then go in the lines. That's yeah. all there is to it. With Genie Plus, you have to schedule your time to buy it, schedule your time to ride rides, and then you can only do each of them one time. And anyway, it's just a little more complicated to do Genie Plus, even though it is cheaper. But for what you're doing, 
I mean, for me and Universal, I'm not going to ride a handful of rides. So why would I pay for the Express Pass? Because I'm like paying for rides I don't want to ride. Where with Genie Plus, you do get to select yeah. what you want. So do you feel like Disney will move to a Express Pass style where you pay to access everything? Or do you think that that's... I think it would make sense. I think it would make people mad. Um, but uh, they've always done their fast pass system, how they've, how they're currently doing it, where you have an hour window, you get a time to go and ride. Um, if you're familiar with how, um, Volcano Bay at Universal works, you get a bracelet that is called a Tapu Tapu and you tap into a ride and your bracelet will tell you when it's your turn to ride. I wish Disney's magic bands would do something like that like have a That's screen cool. and be able to like tap into seven dwarves mind train and then your magic band will create some magic when it's time for you to ride yeah but you know you could pay for that feature or something like that i don't know but i don't know that disney will move away from how they currently do their lightning lanes because this is how they've done it for so long yeah I, I don't know. I mean, it's very interesting to see kind of how this progresses as time goes on and obviously as things continue to change within theme parks. So um, that's kind of it for rides. I definitely want to move on to um, like food because I surprisingly had a lot of good food at Universal and I don't think I was expecting that. Yeah. Tell us more because I truly don't know very much or anything about restaurant selection quick service table service snacks like i really don't have any preface for what to expect at universal so tell us what you got what was your favorite and what your thoughts on the value of of the food there was okay so i didn't really do a lot of research on this um just this is just going off of my experience in the park what I experienced was that almost everything was quick service and their quote-unquote table service you can find on City Walk. There, I know in like Islands of Adventures, there's like the Mythos restaurant, which is a Greek restaurant that we tried to go up to it and it was like, no, you need reservations for this. Like our walk-up list is full. But there wasn't anywhere else that we kind of stumbled into where it was like, no, you need a reservation. And I think there, I think there are a a couple in each park, but it's not a lot. They are a very heavy, quick service um, theme park. Yeah, I do know that some of their resorts have table service um, restaurants that if you're staying on Universal property and like you said, you leave between four and six and you're not staying in the park late, you could do like a sit down dinner at one of the resorts. But from like you said, my understanding, there's not a ton of stuff outside of like quick service, fast food style meals. Well, and I think that's because they really want to push what they have at City Walk. Um, They do have quite a good variety of things on City Walk. So um, we actually ate at the Cowfish um, on our last night, which is a burger and sushi place, which we actually have locally here in our state. But uh, we were able to, right before we left the park, get like a really quick reservation for like 30 minutes later. And um, it was a Sunday night, so it was pretty easy for us to get in and eat and leave. And we were glad we had that versus is another like you know quick service meal because we had a lot of chicken tenders and fries (laughs) but um i'll kind of label off some of the things that i ate so on the first day when we got there we did universal studios first and i ate breakfast at the hotel i just had some like egg bites from starbucks nothing fancy and uh, got to the park and wanted a kind of like mid-morning snack so i did get the um the big pink donut from the simpsons land over in Springfield and um, I had looked this up online and people had said to go get it because it's this ginormous donut that's bigger than a Joffrey's donut um, that is really easy to split with people and I was like you know what I love a good donut so let's give it a try it tasted pretty much just like a Joffrey's donut um, very comparable and much larger but we split it and it was great it was a great pink donut and I loved it donuts check got donuts, it check got it and then later that day we had chicken tenders and fries from like Mel's dine-in um that was fine basic chicken tenders and fries nothing nothing special there um and then the afternoon i think i got like a there was like a haagen ice cream place so i got this like white chocolate raspberry truffle ice cream which was really really good 
I really liked that. And one of my friends got like a cinnamon pretzel. She really enjoyed that. Um, the snacks, they're pretty easy to find. Lots of different kiosks and stuff. I tried, I wanted to try a bunch of different stuff, but it, it was tough because I was like, I wasn't hungry for it. So I didn't want to go buy it. Um, and then for dinner the first night, we had dinner at the hotel in the cafeteria. And I just got... Like I made my own little salad and I had a, uh, like a turkey club sandwich on a croissant with some fries and it was pretty good, honestly. Like it was a good variety of things to eat in the little cafeteria. So that was kind of the first day. And then the second day, I'm really excited what I started my day with the second day. I'm a big breakfast person. So um, we kind of like quote unquote rope dropped the second day. So after we did a couple of things, we then got a later breakfast and I got a ham, egg and cheese croissant and a homemade um, pop tart from the croissant moon bakery. And I could not recommend this bakery enough. I'd heard a lot of reviews about it online. It's right near the front of the park in the port of entry and they make all of their baked goods handmade like it's all fresh it's very very good um and I really enjoyed my croissant and the pop tart thing that I had was so huge had sprinkles and it was so yummy I'm sure if you saw it on my story then you probably thought it was delicious as well so this was in city walk like right outside of the park or no it's, it's like, in the park it's in the park it's like okay, why, okay. Why, sorry if it wasn't clear when you go through the gates there's a thing called the port, port of, of entry. entry got it and um, it's right there and it's a really cute little bakery place and I really enjoyed what I had there and then I also had chicken dinners and fries for lunch <laughs> just a theme at this point with a little Caesar salad in, uh, in Seuss Landing and then I really wanted to try these tots but I didn't get a chance to get them I love a good loaded tot in Green Eggs and Ham which is in Seuss Landing they have a tot station where you can get like green eggs and ham tots or you can get buffalo chicken tots they even had like a like a little hash that you could buy and from what I saw they looked really good um, but I did not get a chance to to try those I think I had something else now I can't remember what else I had that day but I feel like I had something else salty in the afternoon but overall I mean the you know the pizza burgers and chicken tenders that you see in Disney World are they're basically the same in Universal I mean I think there's not really like a fantastic way to do those types of food. I think they're just mediocre at best because that's just theme park food. Um, I think where each individual park shines is in their snacks. And I think um, Universal, I didn't get a chance to try a lot, but what I did did have snack wise, I was pretty impressed with. I don't know if it's because I don't have experience at Universal, so if there's anyone out there listening that can either correct me or enlighten me, but I feel like Disney's effort with food maybe is a little stronger, where their snacks, their specialty items, the offerings that they have, it is like a part of your experience when you yeah, go to Disney no, World. I agree. There's a lot of like theming around their snacks, which is good. I mean, there are some things you can buy that come in like a souvenir cup or like different things like that at Universal. Um, like, I mean, you can go to Harry Potter World and you can get the Butterbeer, which is also obviously really good. And it comes in the Wizarding World Cup. And um, they have the really cute, like, candy store and pastries and, like, all of that. Um, I did have Butterbeer. That's what I had that was really good. And, I mean, yeah, I'd, it's hard, though, because I think both parks do snacks well, but I think Disney does take it to the next level. And they obviously have Epcot with the festival booths and, like, all this stuff. And Universal does have a few of those items, but Disney, I feel like, just takes it kind of to the next level. Yeah, I like I said, I don't know if it's because I know Disney way better, but I personally just feel like if I think about Galaxy's Edge, if I think about Toy Story Land, if I think about Sunset Boulevard and Hollywood Studios, I know each of those locations in that individual park have restaurants themed around mm-hmm. what they are, have good items, and um, I, I haven't experienced Universal to know if they do similar things. Obviously, I know in the Wizarding World, they have their own versions of things that are definitely themed towards Harry Potter and all of that world Um, but yeah if I had to just outside looking in like ask which one's doing more in food I think my brain would say Disney yeah but 
in terms of quick service, when you're just getting quick service meals, obviously they're going to be pretty similar. Yeah, definitely, definitely similar in that sense, for sure. Okay, so we've talked about food. We've talked about rides. We've talked about prices a little bit. What else can we go through to compare Disney to Universal and your personal experience last weekend? So I definitely want to talk about kind of the entertainment um, environment that they have at Universal as well as just like the merchandise stores and stuff like that. Um, Islands of Adventure, to my knowledge, does not have a show that you can watch, but Universal Studios has three. So it's definitely like skewed in that sense. If you are a big show person, then you're going to want to focus on Universal Studios. They have the Born Stunt-tacular. They have the um, Animal Actors on Location, which is so cute. Um, it's basically like how they teach animals to do certain tricks in movies, and they even had some animals there that um, had been in movies. I saw one of the Men in Black um, pugs, so that was really cute, um, which was fun. And then they also have a universal, um, it's like a horror makeup show where they show you how they do all the makeup for horror movies. So we did not do the horror show, um, but we did do the other two. And I really liked the animal show, like I said, but the Born Stunt-tacular really blew me away. Yes, you told me a little bit about it, and if we had to pick something from Disney World that gives people who maybe don't know much about Universal or haven't experienced this, what is the comparison for Disney World? What are we looking at? We're looking at Indiana Jones uh, Stuntacular. Is that the name of it? Stunt Spectacular. Spectacular. Yeah. Sorry, Born Stuntacular and the Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular. Um, (laughs) Both, excuse me, both show... Like the behind the scenes of how they do certain stunts and special effects in, you know, Indiana Jones or the Bourne movies. Big action films. Yes, big, big action films. And both shows are incredibly different. If you have, if you've never seen um, the Indiana Jones show, a quick synopsis is that it is very set heavy. You see a lot of different um, sets that you would see in the actual movie, and they um, are very interactive with it. They'll have and participants from the audience they'll say like okay we're gonna walk through this scene and we're gonna show you how to do a fake fight scene and we're gonna show you how we get through like running through these buildings and explosions and it's very interactive um and they kind of go scene to scene and show you and they kind of pause between each one whereas the born stunt-tacular is a show from start to finish where you feel like you are actually like in the movie there's no interaction with the audience it's an actual like feels like a live like Broadway show almost I think that that in terms of which is kind of on trend with Universal in terms of getting your heart rate up in terms of making you a little bit excited the fact that it isn't that behind the scenes like oh this is all fake this is how we do it it heightens the um, intensity of what you're watching yes I do think I when I walked into the Bourne theater and I sat down um it was like a big like brick wall on and there was like a small stage and a brick wall and I was like there's not a lot of stage space here and once this I had predicted I was like I feel like this brick wall is going or this concrete wall the lights are going to go out they're going to pull that thing up and there's going to be a huge stage behind it because all I knew was Indiana Jones so I'm thinking like it's going to go really deep there's going to be so much that they're hiding back there and when it started it went up and it was just a huge like panoramic screen and I was like, interesting. What are they going to do with this? It's a huge screen in a small stage. Man, was I blown away. They really, like, use the screen on top of, like, props. I don't know how to really describe it besides, like, imagine you're seeing, like, a, um, a chase scene in an Arabian village and you, like, have all the rooftops and it's all on the screen. And then they wheel out this, like, little turret thing that goes perfectly in place with the screen. So it looks like it's just a part of the scenery and the characters are like interacting on the little turret piece, but the background's also moving. So it looks like it's all one scene, but it's really only one element that's been rolled out on the stage that they are interacting with. So it's very cool how they incorporate the screens with the props and make it all feel real. Like it is truly happening in front of you. 
That's really cool. I think that that technology, that use of technology and doing entertainment combined with screens to enhance your experience is something that Disney should definitely look into. Oh, yeah. This attraction opened in 2020, so it definitely has that new technology. I mean, it was to the point where, like, it looked like he was swinging on a, like, lamppost in slow motion because the screen was moving slowly and he was, like, using his abs to, like, slowly lift his legs and, like, swing on it but he was moving in real time but it looked like he was moving in slow motion oh that's so cool it's really really cool the effects that they have the tricks there's lots of like pop-ups in the stage where someone will come up at the stage and a car will come up and a car will go down and like just literally everything so it's it's a crazy experience from start to finish. Things are happening in the ceiling, on the ground, in the screen, and you don't know where to look and when. And um, I highly recommend it if you are into seeing kind of stunts happen in real life. And um, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed that experience. It was probably one of my favorite things that we did. That's really, I, for me, that would be something that I would probably really enjoy. Yeah, you um, would really enjoy it. So adding that to my list um, for when I do visit Universal and become a brave girl. You're um, going to be a brave girl. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> well, I, that was really good. And the animal actors one was just absolutely adorable. They had dogs, cats. Um, they had a skunk. They had a pig. They had lots of birds. Um, and the, in the show that we watched, um, they had a, I believe it was an eagle or a hawk or something of the, the higher bird species where the bird was supposed to fly from the back of the auditorium down to the trainer on the ground. And it went ended up going in the rafters and there was like five minutes where they were like, okay, we're going to pause this show. Everybody keep seated because this bird's not supposed to be up there. And so it was really cool seeing them like in real time react to like, okay, this isn't supposed to be happening. How do we do this? And, um, the way they handled it was super professional and I feel like very engaging. Um, there was a service dog in the crowd. So I think that service dog was throwing off a few of the animals in the mm. show, but man, oh man, did they deserve all the treats because they were doing some of the cutest tricks I've ever seen. And they were so talented and just, just doing such crazy things. I definitely recommend you watching it online. If you've never been or, you know, want to look it up. It's, it's really cute. Yeah, with Disney and their animal shows, specifically in Animal Kingdom, they're definitely more on the exotic side with the animals. So having like household animals in a show. Oh, there's so many um, dogs. There's like 10 I dogs would, in the whole show. I would love to see that. It I've seen so it in the adorable. past, but it's been a very long time. It was so cute. So those are great. And I'm sure the horror makeup show is also fantastic. So definitely check those out if you're in Universal. Um, it I, I would say that the entertainment does, the shows do compare to Disney. I think they are they're great um and then the only other thing really for entertainment is kind of city walk versus Disney Springs obviously Disney Springs is massive and there's so much dining and shopping and things to do city walk is a significantly smaller version of that I think it's mostly restaurants there are like a few stores but it's pre- predominantly just restaurants yeah I don't know that they're I mean those are the two versions like the universal thing that is closest to Disney Springs is certainly City Walk, but they're not even close to each no, other. No, they're not. They're not. If you want like a full like free shopping dining experience, go to Disney Springs. Um, if you're like, I really want to go to Bubblegum Shrimp Co., then go to City Walk. <laughs> yeah, I also feel like City Walk has a lot of chain-based restaurants. There yes, are restaurants yes. that a lot of other places in the United States have where Disney Springs is a little more specialty and yeah. only places that you can eat at in Orlando, Florida on Disney property. So yes. for that reason, Disney Springs obviously takes the cake. But um, if you're in Universal and you're staying on Universal property and you do need that place to eat or extra thing to do, City Walk is going to be that version for you. Yeah, definitely. I also just realized that I completely skipped a section here um, talking about crowds and rope drops. So I want to hit that really quick before we move on to um, just overall theming and ending our ending our time here together. But um, for us, we went, you know, weekend in May. Crowds were... Um, I say, you know, crowd calendar out of 10 crowds are probably in the six to seven range. Um, they were, there were, there were a lot of people, but definitely manageable. Um, the only time that it was not manageable was any time we were in any part of Harry Potter, like mm. Diagon Alley makes me claustrophobic and I just, I, I just, I can't handle it. It's like shoulder to shoulder and Diagon Alley is so narrow. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's literally supposed to be an alley, but it's a massive theme park. Yeah. It's 
it's tough. Diagon Alley is tough, and um, Hogsmeade was definitely a lot better, but you have all the um, Hagrid's crowds over there, so both are, are tough, but I can only spend a certain amount of time in uh, Diagon Alley before. I'm like, I gotta get out of here. I just, this is too much. So, I, um, other than those areas, crowds felt fine. Yeah, I would, the the times that I have been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, I had the exact same experience. It hasn't changed where I wanted to stay. I wanted to linger. I wanted to explore. But the crowd level there was drastically different than anywhere else in the parks. Yeah. And it was uncomfortable. So as much as you want to stay and see all that there is to do there, the amount of people around you just makes you be like, all right, it's time for me to get out of here. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's that's probably a given. Everybody wants to be there for Harry Potter. So it, it makes sense why the crowds are there. But for me, I was like, I'm happy to be somewhere else. I, I like Harry Potter, but I'm not like a huge fan where I felt like I had to spend all my time there. Um, now, wait times for attractions were definitely not accurate. I don't think I stood in any line that was accurate of the actual wait time itself. They were all less than. Um, for example, we stood in line for Hagrid's. Well, we we walked on it because we got there for rope drop but then we wrote it two additional times that day and both times had a posted wait time of 95 minutes and I timed both of them and the first one we got on was 60 minutes and the second one we got on was 45 minutes so Mm -hmm. a sig like significantly different than 95 minutes I would say yeah I feel like that's a common um, tactic that theme parks have been implementing to spread people out it's like hey you probably don't want to stand in this line it's 95 minutes don't get in line for Hagrid's because it's a really popular ride but once you get in the line you realize that they've upped that number to try to control the line a little bit yeah which I think is I don't know how I feel about the deceptive numbers. Um, Like, I'd rather just know for sure. But I also think that because it says 95, when you wait in the line and it's only 60 to 45, everyone leaves happy. Because they got in a line that they thought was going to be an hour and a half and it was way less. So maybe it also helps improve guest satisfaction. (laughs) There's a lot of strategy behind that for sure. But I mean, even the like attractions that I feel like aren't that popular were still like 25 minutes and it was either a walk on or like five minutes at max. So Mm. um, they were definitely if they were doing that word, they were doing it for all the attractions and um that obviously Hagrid's was the longest that we probably waited in the rest were probably around 25 to 45 minutes so very manageable didn't feel like we needed the express pass at the time of year that we went um but one thing that I will say in regards to crowds that is different than Disney is I feel like my rope drop experience was more intense at Universal than it was at Disney specifically for Hagrid's interesting I don't know that I would have predicted that. So the reason why I say that is at first I was like, oh, the park opens at like eight. Usually if it's like early entry or, you know, extra magic hours at Disney, I'll try to get there like 30 minutes before the thing opens. But my friend was like, let's take the very first bus at 7 a.m. and let's see like how close we can get. And we took the very first bus at 7 a.m. and probably rolled in like 705 got through security and got to the actual gates of islands of adventure by 715 and there were already a good handful of people wow like there um not a lot i feel like we were probably in the line that we stood in we were probably like 10 to 15 people back from scanning in which isn't bad at all but i was thinking i was like wow there's probably like you know 10 12 to 16 of these lines trying to get in and then we're this many people back and i was like trying to do the math and i was like these people definitely got here quickly and that line got big really quickly behind us i feel like so this is my as you are talking about this and my wheels are turning i feel like this is due to express pass versus genie plus the likelihood of a group of people or a family dropping $130 per person per day for express pass versus a max of $35 per person per day is way different. So the rush to get to certain rides is more intense because probably a much smaller percentage of people are buying express pass. Yeah. Like I've rushed to get to like to try and get on um, Rise of the Resistance, but I was like sprinting to get to Hagrid's, like actually sprinting. And like people around me were also sprinting. That's intense. That's scary. We did walk right on. So it was worth it. But by the time we got off, so we were probably one of the first, I would say probably one of the first 30 people on Hagrid's. And when we walked off the ride, it was already at 100 minutes. And we 
like literally we were one of the first people on it so do you think that to number walk was on it, ride it get off and then it'd be at 100 minutes i'm like was it accurate not sure but gotcha. i mean the line was already outside of the attraction entrance so mm-hmm. depending like where we stood in the line and it only took us an hour we were way far into the attraction entrance so i do think it was a true 100 minute wait wow yeah that's i mean it definitely shows the popularity of that ride and um i think that they're probably similar experiences at disney but because the people going to universal the target audience are thrill junkies i'm sure that it's a larger group of older people versus like people with small children that can't sprint to something and it just is a very different dynamic so that's interesting that their your experience felt like pretty different trying to get there early I think just because I also felt the pressure because I hadn't done it before and it was new and I wanted to make sure I got there I think it felt more intense I think if I'd gone a couple more times I don't think I would feel like it was that um Intense. Now we did get off that and immediately go ride ride Velocicoaster. And this was all in the first hour of the park opening. So we hit the two best attractions within the first hour, which felt great. That's awesome. So um, cast members were great, whatever they're called. I don't know if they're called cast members at Universal, but they're also great on every um, attraction that I went on. So nothing that was like significant to be like, whoa, cast members at Disney are way better. They were, you know, everybody was super respectful and it was great. Awesome. That is amazing to hear. So our last category, our last thing to review is just overall theming between Disney World and Universal. Like, do you, I mean, I know that they're drastically different. Do you feel like Disney theming wise is more appealing, is better, or do you feel like they each are kind of in their own lane and do what they do well? I think Disney does the immersion factor a little better than universal only because a lot of their rides they have the ability to really expand their creativity because they don't have just like coasters that have a lot of like twists and turns and ups and downs like they have more space to put animatronics and theming and color and lights and with like velocicoaster like my friend that rode it with me, she's like, oh, I wish there was more, like, dinosaurs or more, like, theming. And I'm like, well, you're literally, like, upside down in the air half the time. So, like, where are they going to put that? They don't really have the space to do it because their focus is so much on thrill that they don't have the ability to do that. Whereas, like, Disney has a lot of dark indoor rides and things where they can really expand on theming. Mm-hmm. I do think they do really well with theming their lands in Universal. Like, Seuss Landing is really fantastic theming. I think it's like stepping right into like cat in the hat or any type of dr seuss book so i do think they do really well with that as well as harry potter land like wizarding world of harry potter fantastic theming Diagon alley is beautiful although it's crowded and so is hogsmeade like it looks you can tell they put so much attention to detail in those things but i think they think they pour more into their lands and they do their actual attractions because mm. they don't heavily have the space for that yeah i think disney's key in all they do and like what they do well is their storytelling which is a big part of the all of the parks at Walt Disney World in general I mean the sidewalks the walls the buildings all have a story as to why they're there and what they're there for Um, I don't know Universal as well to know if there's intentionality behind some of the selections but it just seems like Disney's theming is more intense because like you said they're not their focus is the storytelling not the thrill or the the just wowing you with a crazy intense coaster well and what I'll say with Universal Studios specifically is that the middle of Universal Studios is like a lake and so if you're standing in one land you can really easily see the theming into another land Um, and even with like the tall coasters like you can be standing in like (laughs) Hogsmeade and you literally see like Velocicoaster off in the corner because Mm. it's so you can't avoid it it's so tall and it's right there Um, so some of the theming does bleed because of the size yeah um, so you were just talking about Wizarding World of Harry Potter and my biggest like thought for a comparison would be Galaxy's Edge do you feel like that's like if we're looking at overall themed lands like it's taking you into a movie into a world where there's multiple movies to yes have it be based off of do you feel like one is better than the other well here i feel like in 
Galaxy's Edge, the big hitter is the Millennium Falcon. Like that area right there. That is like the most immersive part of the whole land. The rest of it is a lot of like like space vehicles off to the side, a lot of vegetation. Like there's the little cargo area where they have some of the character meet and greets. But overall as a land, like the hitter is the Millennium Falcon with Harry Potter. I feel like they have more hitters. If that makes sense. Like I agree. They have Hogwarts. They have Hogsmeade. They have that little village. They have all of Diagon's Alley. They have the Gringotts, di- like not dinosaur. Um, sorry, the dragon that breathes the fire. So like, there's so much going on that you can connect back to the films. That I feel like with Star Wars, like they didn't necessarily want it to feel like. Y- you were in a specific part of a movie they wanted it to feel like it was a brand new planet Mm -hmm. so i do think harry potter world is more nostalgic and feels more like you've stepped into the movie than star wars has only because there it's batu there's that there's that planet doesn't exist in the films right i I think that's intentional so i think that's the difference yeah i totally agree i think that like you're saying, like going to Borgen and Burke's or Honey Duke's or Ollivander's Wand Shop. These are all yes. things that people know from the films. They know what they're for. And if you are a big Harry Potter fan, it's really neat to yes. feel like you're there. Whereas Batu is its own thing outside of the Star Wars universe and the films that we know. And I do think that the theming overall is probably more extensive and more well done in um the wizarding world of harry potter there's also more attractions more to see and do yeah and like you get to step inside gringotts bank before Mm -hmm. you get on gringotts um ride and that is breathtaking you know so like their theming with that and like the way they really transport you into the film i think they do a much better job with that than disney world does when it comes to galaxy's edge yeah i would say like if you're thinking of like stepping into Gringotts and stepping into Oga's Cantina, both very cool experiences, but just in general, like the animatronics of the um, goblins, oh my, the goblins and the like robot in um, Oga's, like there there are plenty of comparisons that you could make, but I do think that the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is a little um, more extensive, advanced, whatever you want to use to yeah, describe definitely. it. Um, my my blue sky thought for now that we have seen that the galactic star cruiser for walt disney world the star wars themed hotel and experience is closing um i think that disney should make something that's similar to the hogwarts express it's like the train that takes you from one side of um the wizarding world of harry potter takes you from diagon alley to where hogwarts castle is i think that that they should make more extended Galaxy's Edge stuff and have some sort of transportation between I think that's great. Galaxy's Edge and what would be the Galactic Star Cruiser. Um, that's obviously, you know, my blue, like I said, my blue sky idea. But I think the Hogwarts Express is a really, really neat concept. Um, and Disney could easily do something like that for Star Wars where yes. you step on a ship and it's really a bus and it looks like you're flying through space or something like that. Yeah, I think that's great. I didn't get to ride the Hogwarts Express because that it is only available to those that have the park to park ticket. Um we had the base ticket so we were not we were not able to go to the different park in the same day. So we did not get to experience that and I've never actually experienced that. So uh, that's something on my list to do in the future. But overall, I think the trip was great. Uh we had lots of fun. We had very decent weather um there was afternoon thunderstorms on both days but that's florida weather for you it's basically expected so um yeah great time it was hot but we were having a blast and it was good to um experience a little bit of thrill even though i did have to space things out and i had to take dramamine and eat food in between certain things and but i made it work and i loved it and um would definitely do it again um even though i didn't get to experience disney i'm I'm glad that i got to go experience universal again yeah would you say obviously like i said at the start of this episode we're disney lovers we love going to disney and every time we leave we have an itch to get back do you feel like going to universal and experiencing it the way that you did you have a new itch to get back to it or do you feel like uh i did it i'll get back to it someday i don't have an itch okay I did it all, and I'd be fine to do it all again in a few years. Like, I don't feel the need to, like, go back. Whereas Disney, every time I leave, like, I can't wait to get back. Yeah. that's. And I think that's just the nostalgia of, like, growing up as a Disney kid. And 
watching Disney movies as a child and just feeling like Disney brings me so much magic and happiness and joy. Whereas like Universal is like, woohoo, thrill, let's go. And I just love the feeling of like feeling like a kid again. And I think that's the the Disney thing of being family friendly is you can start getting on these nostalgic Disney rides when you're two years old. You don't have a height requirement for half the rides in the parks. And so as you, like you said, grow up going to Disney, the things that you did as a kid, obviously at Universal, you can't say, oh my gosh, when I was a little one, I did Velocicoaster. Like there's a height requirement there. So until you're ready, until you're old enough to experience all that Universal has to offer, you don't have that nostalgia piece of going back and experiencing it. Yeah. I mean, I did have a little bit of nostalgia on my trip, just thinking about the time that I went in high school, only because I was doing things on this trip that I didn't do in 2021 that the last time before I had gone would have been my high school trip so I was thinking a lot about that um but I feel like I did everything and I'm like I'd be good to do it again you know later on favorite thing you did collectively um Hagrid's three times and the Born Stuntacular awesome love that well I feel like we covered as much as we possibly could we covered as a lot. inexperienced Universal kids, um, but truly Disney lovers. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling us all about your trip, Court. I have been eager to, to hear about it and maybe have a little more peaked interest in going in the future myself. Who knows? Maybe, like I'll I said, go. Don't worry. I'll, I'll be I'll a take brave you. girl someday. But um, for now, we are going to hand things over to Kelly so that she can give you a trip tip, maybe about that park across the street. Hey all, this is Kelly from Kelly's Magical Vacations, the official travel partner of the Castle Chat, and I am so excited to bring you today's trip tip. If you're headed to Universal Orlando, I recommend purchasing a park-to-park ticket. This is basically going to be like a park hopper ticket that you would have at Disney, where you're able to go to multiple parks per day. Having this option is even more important at Universal than it may be at Disney, because this is the ticket you'll need to have in order to ride the Hogwarts Express. So the Hogwarts Express actually connects the two parks, Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. So in order to ride the Hogwarts Express, you have to have a ticket because you're actually exiting the park and entering another park. If you want to experience it, which I totally recommend, definitely make sure that you purchase a park to park ticket. Be sure to head over to Kelly's Magical Vacations on Instagram for all your Disney chips and tricks. And if you are looking to plan a Disney vacation, you can head to the Castle Chats Instagram. Click that link in their bio and there will be a form that you can fill out so that we can start planning. And I can help you with everything from your accommodations to your tickets to your dining and everything in between. Creator Spotlight. Creator Spotlight. The end. Yeah, the end. Okay, (laughs) we are back with another Creator Spotlight. This is our opportunity to really highlight somebody in the social media world that is killing it, that is really crushing it on social media platforms, that we admire their content, and we want to share them with you guys so that you can follow them and continue to support what they are doing out there in the social media world. And with us talking about Universal on this episode, it made the most sense to pick a Universal content queen. So we have picked the one and only Miss Wizarding World. Wizarding World and Galaxy's Edge, when I think of um, like Magic with Meg or somebody like that, who is your ultimate Star Wars girly, we are looking at Miss Wizarding World, who is ultimate Wizarding World of Harry Potter girly. And the content here, one, to me, because I, I don't go to Universal frequently, seeing how she takes the scenery and creates really awesome photos and content with it um, is cool to me and makes me more interested in going and seeing it myself, which I think says a lot about a creator. That's what they are. They're doing it because they're wanting to create and they're they're good at it but also the ability to draw people into whatever it is that you're posting about is uh, a skill for sure yeah definitely i think her page is super creative and fun if you love harry potter or universal then you definitely need to give her a follow at miss wizarding world 
Well, guys, thanks so much for spending time with us today on another episode of The Castle Chat. But for now, we'll leave you with what we always leave you with, which is there's a great big beautiful tomorrow out there waiting for you. Go make it magical. See you real soon. Bye, guys. Bye.